Hi, everybody. Fireside chat number... 241. 241. Definitely worth binge-watching. How long would it take to watch 241 episodes? Let's see. Five times two... is a lot. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Dennis Prager. It is a wonderful thing that I have this. It's a blessing in my life. And thank God a lot of people think it's a blessing in their life, too. It is truly spontaneous. I... I obviously think of something to talk about prior, and then I take your questions, but it's unrehearsed, and there are no teleprompters, although I will be reading from an editorial in the Wall Street Journal on the topic that I'm opening up with. So anyway, welcome uh, to the Fireside Chat. This is Otto. Otto is my beloved bulldog, best known dog in America. And he's very modest about it, which is a beautiful thing. But we raised him with good values. So I have not talked about the, the horror of the, the killings of the kids in, in Texas. And the reasons were logistical. In one case, it happened right after we, uh, we recorded the, the fireside chat. Because I, I had to leave, go on the road. And so we did it a day early. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's but I'm just explaining. I don't talk about everything in the news. That, that's that's not what the fireside chat is about. But large issues that that I have something that I think is important to say and is and is not just of immediate significance. Then I address it. And the then we had the special session uh, with Batya, the the Newsweek editor and writer, which uh, uh, has gone up. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I, I, how how was the feedback on that? Did we, did we get feedback? Yes, yeah, she's so fast. I had to believe people yeah. loved it. I that that was an intense hour or more than an hour even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the reason I didn't address it, which is fine with me because I I don't like immediate uh, takes necessarily on many issues. People should have the time to think it through. That's one of the reasons I tend not to tweet. Because I don't know if I want to say something immediately about something. I like to think them through. I want what I say to be significant years later, not just for a day. So I'm, I'm okay with the fact that I'm just addressing this issue a couple of weeks after it happened. So th- there are so many uh, issues, and it could obviously take hours, but I, I don't want to take a lot of time. There are those who believe, it's basically a division between those who believe that the problem is human evil and other, and other societal issues, and those who think that the problem is guns. Some people believe it's both, and I, and I, and I respect that. And let me read to you, that's why I have this paper here, from a Wall Street Journal editorial just on the guns issue. I think they, they said it so concisely and so well what I believe, I'd like to I'd like to read that to you. Would background checks beyond those already exist help? Unlikely, since these young men rarely have a criminal record. It's a very important point. Nothing in 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 with these, and they're almost all young men, especially with the with the mass shootings, uh, or certainly with shootings of kids. And if you did a background check in any of these cases in Columbine. Uh, the, the most notorious one, or uh, uh, up in the, the Sandy Hook, uh, 
in Connecticut or uh, the, 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 the Texas shooting, nothing would have happened. The background check would not have stopped them uh, from getting the guns. That, that's point number one they're making. They rarely have a criminal record. Number two, a six-day waiting period to receive a gun after it's purchased, not for someone who was determined to kill. In other words, people get guns if they want guns. That, that's, that's just a fact. And whether we like it or not, the more it becomes difficult for people to get guns, the more guns bad people will have and the fewer guns good people will have. That's just a fact. That's not an opinion. That is a fact. I don't like when evil has more power than good. So that's a, that's a big issue to me. I know, I know people speak about uh, uh, how much more gun violence there is in America. That is entirely accurate, and, and we could address that. It is entirely accurate. Uh, and if clearly, if a society has no guns, you will have very little gun violence. I fully acknowledge that too. But it's not possible. There are 400 million guns in the United States. So the, the, uh, the thought that we won't have guns is absurd. It, the, the more difficult it becomes to obtain a gun legally, the more the people who obtain them illegally will prosper. And those are criminals. Gangs will still get them. Drug, drug dealers will still get them. Uh, uh, people who want to kill will still get them. Uh, soon people will be able to make them in their home with, with 3D uh, uh, engineering. So you're going to have to figure out, we are going to have to figure out a, a way to solve this to the extent that we can with, without recourse to a, a fantasy of more gun control and more gun control and more gun control. That's what they're pointing out here. And that's the way, that's, that's reality. But there are so many deeper issues. But let me give you one that literally just occurred to me this week. Megan is really waiting to hear this because she has heard everything I have to say about every subject that exists, but she hasn't heard this because I haven't even said this on my radio show. I was thinking about this, this question. I think all of us, right or left, would, would agree that there is something way more dangerous than guns, nuclear weapons. Is that fair to say? I mean, guns you can kill dozens. That's true. Uh, and I mean, in the course of a whole a whole year in America, you know, thousands clearly. Uh, but a nuclear weapon kills millions. So, without question, there is a lot more to fear from nuclear weapons. Uh oh, you know, I mentioned nuclear weapons, and he sort of freaks out. This is this is an issue. So we usually surmise that he hasn't eaten. But I think my wife tends to feed him before the uh, the fireside chat. Did you happen to notice? I don't know. She of the famous arm? <laughs> sure. All right. Anyway, maybe he'll come back, folks. We don't know. But he was here for the opening. That's, that's the major moment. So I want to talk to you uh, about the nuclear weapons issue. So if we are to fear guns, we certainly should fear nuclear weapons. Uh, I don't have to make that point further. It's so obvious. Yet, let me ask you a question. Do we fear the, the UK having nuclear weapons? Britain? 
Do we fear France having nuclear weapons? They have nuclear weapons. Interesting, no? But we do fear Russia uh, having nuclear weapons. We fear China having nuclear weapons. So why is that? Because France and the UK are decent societies. Because they, they are free, relatively free countries. Russia and China are not. They're run by bad people. B-A-D, bad. Yes, there are good people and bad people on planet Earth. And that's why we fear nuclear weapons in the hands of the bad, but we don't fear nuclear weapons, which can kill millions, in the hands of the decent. Isn't it therefore obvious that the issue isn't nuclear weapons? The issue is who has them? That's the issue. If the Iranian government has them, they have basically promised they'll use them on Israel. And not just on Israel, but certainly first on Israel, because the, the greatest goal of the Iranian regime is to annihilate Israel, just as the greatest goal of Hitler was to annihilate Jews. That was more important to him than winning World War II. And it is more important to Iran. They, are, they have said it. What happened? What, do you get a snack? Otto, Otto, Otto. Hey, come here, Otto. Well, he's chewing something. She bribed him. The only way to bribe him, food. The way to Otto's heart is through his stomach. The greatest aim of the Iranian regime is to annihilate Israel, and they would use nuclear weapons, and they've even said, we don't care if we lose 10 million people. We have, we have 60 million people. Israel, on the other hand... Has, uh, has what, 8 million people? So we can annihilate Israel. They can't annihilate us. So it is a very bad thing if Iran gets nuclear weapons. Is anybody afraid of Israel using nuclear weapons as a, you know, as a first use? No. Israel, Israel, everyone believes, has nuclear weapons. We're not afraid of that either, just like with France or the United Kingdom. All right. Yes, indeed. I think he's going to go back for more. This is a very important thing. We care who has nuclear weapons much more than we care that they exist. So, too, the, with guns. We care about who has them, not that they exist. And by the way, the founders of the United States believed that the idea that the only people who can have guns is the government is a very scary thought. I just want to remind you what you never learned in college, and you certainly aren't going to learn that today. In the 20th century, 100 million people were killed in what we call genocides, the staggering mass murders of tens of millions. In every case, except Rwanda in the 1990s, in every single case, it was done by government. Governments are genocidal engines. Governments are concentration camp builders. Governments are mass murderers. There is nothing to compare with the amount of evil done by governments. A hundred million civilians were killed in the 20th century, all by big governments, except for the one million in Rwanda. Now, I'm not against government. I'm not an anarchist. Of course we need governments. But I don't like the idea that people have the state, the government, the government, the government, the government. Ronald Reagan turned me around. Do you know I became a Republican in one sentence? I was a Democrat my whole life. Ronald Reagan did it.
the government is not the, the solution, it's the problem. And then I realized, oh my God, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that? I had studied totalitarianism. That was my field of study in graduate school. So the idea, the founders, this is pre-totalitarianism, pre-20th century, but they knew the idea that the, if the only people who have weapons uh, is the state, then that's not necessarily a good thing for liberty. And uh, for liberty, simple as that, for people to be free. That's why we have a Second Amendment in the United States. This was, this was a very thought-through idea. If the government has all the power, it's not good for people. I once raised on MSNBC, believe it or not, they used to invite, uh, on occasion, conservatives. And I, I was one. I went on, on Hardball with Chris Matthews, a very famous show at the time. And we were talking about guns, and I said, as a Jew, I would just like to say, I wish all the Jews of Europe had guns. He went ballistic. He started screaming at me that I was mocking the Holocaust. My God, my, my, my grandfather had a brother killed in the Holocaust. Uh, I, I, I've written a major book on anti-Semitism. I was on the Holocaust uh, Museum's board of directors. Uh, mock the Holocaust? But he was a leftist, and I didn't expect him to think clearly. But why was that an odd thing to say, that I wish every Jew in Europe had a gun? Would that have stopped the mass murder of the Jews? No, it wouldn't have. But it would have slowed it down, and it would have given Jews dignity. It is much better dying, uh, uh, killing your oppressor, than walking naked into a gas chamber or being killed naked. The Nazis were sadists, aside from evil. Virtually every Jew in the Holocaust died naked. It's an amazing thing that people don't think about. The, the, the notion that guns are the enemy, bad people are the enemy. That's true for everything. It's true for nuclear weapons, not just guns. A ban on purchasing a rifle until the age of 21, as Governor Greg Abbott pointed out, 18-year-olds have been able to buy Long guns in Texas for more than 60 years, yet for decades, mass shootings were rare, rare. The recent proliferation of mass shootings suggests a deeper malady than gun laws can fix. Firearm laws were few and weak before the 1970s. In other words, it was a lot easier to get a gun in the United States before the 1970s. Yet only in recent decades have young men entered schools and supermarkets for the purpose of killing the innocent. That a teenager could look at a nine-year-old, aim a gun, and pull the trigger signals some larger social and cultural breakdown. That's right, and that's, that's my point. We have a cultural and moral breakdown. That's the issue. And that's a dividing line between right and left. They, they're, they're not keen on the values issue. They're keen on fighting inanimate objects. As, as I wrote a piece uh, during the, in, the 20, in 2020 when they were tearing down statue after statue, I think the title of my piece was The Left Fights Statues, The Right Fights Evil. And this is, a, this is another example. They fight guns, we fight evil. Big difference. Good? 
All right, let's take uh, let's take our questions. All right, here we go. Question one. Hey, Mr. Brager, my name's Troy, and I'm 33 years old, and I'm from Bloomington, Minnesota. Recently, in a video rant, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, said that Jewish people could get an abortion according to their faith, and I would really love for you, being a Jewish leader, to set the record straight and educate the representative. I think she's definitely in need of education and, and enlightenment, among many things. <laughs> uh, appreciate you. God bless you. And thank you for everything you've done for our country. That's beautiful. Thank you, Troy. appreciate that. I did it. I've, I've done a lot of research on this. And... This, too, would involve a very uh, long talk, but in, in a nutshell, Jewish law holds that if the pregnant woman is endangered by the baby, you can have, she can't have an abortion, that her life comes first because under Jewish law, the, the baby threatening her life is regarded as the Hebrew is Rodef, uh, as the pursuer, as if somebody were, were pursuing you with a knife or, or a gun, and you are allowed to defend yourself. So under the, by, by the way, most people agree with that, including, I think, most, uh, most people who are pro-life. If indeed the mother's life is at stake, then I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know in the Catholic law, uh, I, I don't know, but certainly most pro-life people I've spoken to would say the following. Yes, under such a circumstance, it would be allowed. However, it almost never happens in modern life, which is true. It just doesn't. It is, it, it, it is so rare as, as to be a non-issue that her life is endangered and therefore she has to have an abortion. But should it happen, Jewish law would say that, in fact, uh, if real harm would come to the woman, then, then you can have an abortion. That is correct. But that's, I don't know what AOC said, and I'm not interested. I'm just answering your question on Judaism and abortion. Otherwise, the greatest Jewish thinker in history, Maimonides, the Rambam, in the, uh, was it 12th century, uh, considered by, by just about every Jew who knows anything about Judaism, the greatest Jewish thinker who ever lived. He's considered one of the greatest thinkers who ever lived, period. He's sort of the, the Jewish Aquinas or... or Whatever, whatever uh, Christian example you might want to give, and he actually ruled that for uh, for the the world, uh, abortion is considered murder. Meaning, what I mean for the world, he did not consider it for Jews murder, ironically, but he considered it for non-Jews, which is ninety nine percent of the world, that abortion is murder, and the reason he didn't for Jews was because. Jews knew you couldn't do it. So uh, if a Jew did it, it was obviously done only to save the mother's life. And that's the only reason. But otherwise, that is what the greatest Jewish halachic, which means Jewish legal authority, uh, said about it. And uh, I, 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 I give you, I'll give you one personal example. I, I have a first cousin, my, my mother's, my late mother's, late sister's daughter, my first cousin, and she's an Orthodox Jew, and she got pregnant with a, with a Tay-Sachs baby. Tay-Sachs is a disease that only affects European Jews, and it is 
always fatal to the baby. The baby is born. It is always fatal within the first few years of the baby's life. The baby's life is, uh, is, is, is like nothing. I remember the baby. I lifted the baby. It was like lifting a, a, a sack of corn. Uh, it, it, it was like I, I, it, the baby was alive, but I was, I was lifting almost an inanimate object. It's a tragic, tragic disease. In a sense, thank God that the baby doesn't live much, much longer than perhaps three years. Because of amniocentesis, my cousin knew that the baby was a Tay-Sachs baby. And very few people would have said, oh, that's wrong for you to have an abortion. But she didn't, because she believed as an Orthodox Jew, you can't even abort a Tay-Sachs baby, a baby that is born without many of its faculties and which is doomed to die early. So just, just for the record, I'm sure AOC never met uh, uh, Orthodox Jews, uh, uh, and so she wouldn't really have spoken to them about their views uh, on abortion. Obviously, liberal Jews have liberal views. Uh, that's, that's, that's why they're called liberal. <laughs> that, that's, it, it, it's just not here or there, but it is, it is worth noting. Okay, David, 22, Newtown, Connecticut. Is it Newtown or Newton? How would it be pronounced? I guess Newtown. I think Newtown. After the mass shootings that have happened in New York and in Texas, there have been calls mostly from Democrats to raise the age to buy a gun from 18 to 21. Why would Democrats support that if at the same time they want to lower the voting age to 16? So that is a very interesting thing about the age. I have some sympathy for the idea that certain weapons should not be available before 21. I, have, I actually do have some sympathy for the idea. However, knowing the left, it would never stop at that. Uh, there, there is never a limit to the amount or the number of laws that the left will pass to curtail uh, liberties. So we, we went from same-sex marriage to uh, biological men competing in female sports within a couple of years. It, 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 it never ends. You, you think it does, but it never does. But aside from that, I'll sort of make a deal with the left. You will, I'll, I'll agree with you on 21. If you agree with, with us on 21, that you, you can't uh, have life-altering physical changes done by surgeons when you change your sex until 21. How's that? In other words... You can't cut your breasts off if you're a girl and say you're a boy. And I'm not saying that you're not, you're not identifying as a boy. I respect that. But uh, the idea that a 15-year-old girl can decide to have her breast cut off without her parents' permission, in, in addition to that. Uh, so wh wh why would you allow teenagers to decide to mutilate themselves or take life-altering hormones, but you wouldn't allow them to get a gun? If they don't have judgment on how to use a gun, why do you believe that they have judgment on, on removing uh, genitalia or removing breasts? Just curious. Austin, 26, Charleston, South Carolina. Hi, Dennis. I quit my job at one of the big five tech companies after they instituted a language policy in which we were expected to stop using the terms men and women. By the way, you should know he's probably telling the truth. Disney at, at its parks, Disneyland and Disney World, for example, 
do not any longer say, hi, welcome, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Not any longer. They won't say it. You can't say it uh, under Disney. An argument for not visiting one of their parks. We were also expected to stop using geographical heritage and to only use the terms white and person of color. I'm, I don't know even what that means, geographical heritage. Anyway, I'm financially stable and decided to pack all of my belongings and move to a place I love, Colorado. What advice can you give to someone who has decided to start a new chapter that holds so much uncertainty? So, Austin, you're 26. So here's my first piece of advice. Get married. <laughs> That's my first piece of advice, no matter what you write. If you would have asked me what, root, what team to root for in, in hockey... I would have said, first get married. So it, it's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I mean it. Uh, you, you start a new venture. You move to Colorado. Uh, try to meet a wonderful woman. Bond with her and make a home and make a family. And then everything will fall into place. As, uh, it's much harder to, to deal with life alone. It's just the way it is. And you, you've gone to a new place. And I presume you're alone. Now, you may be married. You didn't intimate in any way that you are. I suspect you're not, because I think you would have said, my wife and I have moved, right? Most people would do that. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I mean that quite sincerely. That's what you should do. Uh, I don't have any specific advice. A new chapter uh, is, is an opportunity to make a new life. And what you need is a job. What you need is, the, you see, you need the same thing in the new place that you needed in the old place. There's no difference, none whatsoever. In the old place, you needed a, a wife. In the, new, in the new place, you need a wife. The old place, you needed a job. In the new place, you need a job. In the old place, you needed a community. In the new place, you need a community. In the old place, you needed uh, a church or a synagogue. In the new place, you need a church or a synagogue. I, I don't know any difference, frankly. The, the basics of life are necessary if, if you are in Colorado or Azerbaijan. That's, that's the way life works, and uh, good luck, but th those are the basic necessities of life. Community, a family, a religion, a job. You'll do pretty darn well anywhere you live if you have those four. Oh, Kadoki, another South Carolina. Look at that. That's rare. Two in a row, South Carolina. Did you do that purposely? I didn't. I didn't think so. I was... The silly question. <laughs> Luke, 24, Anderson, South Carolina. Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Austin and Charleston is moving to Colorado. So I, I thought they would get together and enjoy their, each other's company. <laughs> I recently uh, started listening to your fireside chats last month, and I'm currently through the first 60 episodes. You're only a quarter of the way there. I've loved everyone, and they've been very insightful, so thank you for doing this. I've heard you talk several times about being a multilingual American and the ways it has benefited you in the past. And I was wondering if you had any recommendations for useful second languages to learn. I've been wanting to expand outside of my native English for some time, but there are so many diverse languages to pick from, and it's difficult knowing where to begin. Thanks so much. So it all depends. Do you want to learn a second language for practical reasons or because it's so good to know any other language? They're not the same. 
For practical reasons, living in the United States, Spanish is self-recommending. There are so many Spanish-speaking people in America, and that, that might help you in your work, uh, depending where do you live. In South Carolina, yeah, so I don't know, I don't know how, many, how many Latinos are there, or as the left says, Latinks. And so I, I don't know what, uh, what great benefit it would afford you there. But there are many other reasons to learn other languages. And I'll, I'll tell you one, I speak and write English better because I've studied foreign languages. I, 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 you learn how language is constructed when you learn another language. And it, it has a great impact on the way you understand the construction of your own language. It has played a very big role. It also is a, is a great, great thing for your mind. You learn, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you thousands of examples because I've, I've learned three other languages, but I, I'll just give you a simple th- thing that, where it just makes you think. So here's, here's one. In English, we say, I like, right? I like pizza. Uh, I like to go hiking, right? We, we use like a lot. Then I started studying languages, specifically in my case, uh, uh, let's see, Russian, French, and Hebrew. And it occurred to me, none of them have the word like. I, obviously, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't, if I didn't study. I, 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 don't, I don't know if German does. I mean, I've studied a little bit of other languages too, Spanish, German, Arabic. Uh, I think like, I don't know if it's unique to English, but it's very uncommon. In French, you would say, il me plaît, it pleases me. But it pleases me is not the same as I like. Hebrew, I, there, there is no, uh, or, or, or Russian, to the best of my knowledge, has no equivalent. You could say I love, obviously. Every language has I love. But I like, and yet I want to tell you, that's a very big deal that we can say I like. I'll get, tell you how big a deal it is. I think it's more important that you like your children than that you love them. How's that? Everybody loves their children, even if the child's a jerk. But not everybody likes their children. It's true for some spouses. They may love their spouse, but not really like them. Like is unbelievably important. But if you have no word for it, it's difficult to express. I'll give you another one, thanks to learning other languages. So in English, you say, I earn X amount a week, right? X amount of money, $2,000 a week, let's say. You're doing better than most Americans with that income, but never doesn't matter. I earn X amount of money a week, or I earn this amount a year. Then I, I studied French, and the word is gagner, the verb. Gagne, so you would say je gagne, and then you would fill in the number of dollars. But that gagne doesn't mean to earn, it means to win. In French, you don't say I earn X amount of euros or dollars, I win. There's a big difference between earning and winning. Winning is like luck, right? I won the lottery. In English, I earn means you worked for it and it came to you. That's a big difference. And in, in Hebrew, 
uh, the uh, the word is laharviach, which is to profit. Again, not to earn. My Russian friends say that there's something similar, but it's not exactly. I, so I don't remember about the R- Russian whether it's to earn. But all the Romance languages, so that would mean Portuguese, French, uh, Spanish, uh, Italian, it's to win and not to earn. This is the stuff you learn by learning another language. You see, I know English and I know our culture better because I've studied other languages. Those are just two examples. So the truth is it's irrelevant in the, in, the, in the long run, what language you study. There's a part of me that would tell you, why don't you study a really esoteric language like Finnish? Who speaks Finnish outside of Finland? The answer will be you. <laughs> and, and only you, except for Finns who've, who've moved to, uh, where are you located? South Carolina, yeah. I don't know how big the Finnish community of South Carolina is, to be perfectly honest. That's a fun thing to do, by the way, learn the language. Uh, but it, you, it, it will so open your mind, or Hungarian would be the other example in Europe. But it doesn't even have to be a European language. Learn an Asian language. The Koreans say that the Korean alphabet is the most perfect alphabet ever created. Ask any Korean if they're proud of their alphabet, they'll tell you. And by the way, it's not a very difficult language. Uh, you want a difficult language? Try Chinese. Try any tonal language. Thai is an, uh, Thai is an example. Vietnamese is an example where the, the word is the same, but the tone changes, and that changes the whole meaning of the word. That's rough, but you should definitely learn another language. Good? Good. That's what I thought. Isn't that amazing, though, what you pick up, the examples that I gave? not just about language, but about culture and, and values and, and so on. It's, it's a fantastic thing. By the way, I, I consider, I really learned an, one other language, music. I read music. It's, another, it's a language. Mm-hmm. So uh, people, you know, people don't think of it that, but it really is. That's another thing people should do. If you don't want to learn a language, learn an instrument or do both and you'll really be a rich person. As I've often said, People don't ask, this is a great topic, people don't ask what will make me happy. They don't. They ask what's fun. And they're not the same. And I'm very pro-fun. I have a lot of fun in life. But if you ask what's, what will make me happy, the answer is spending a half hour a day learning a musical instrument or learning a language. If you want to know what's fun, It's spending that half hour or three hours watching movies. That's correct. Or playing video games. That's fun, but it won't make you happy. But if you, two years from now, will be able to speak Finnish or Italian or Chinese or whatever, or play an instrument, I promise you'll be happier. People don't ask what will make them happy such an interesting thing. They ask what feels good now. Another great topic. Anyway, fireside chat number 241 241 is now history. (laughs) Thanks for being with me. I'm Dennis Prager. See you next week.